dare you indeed welcome to the weird science marvel comics podcast episode 151 it is just me and i'm gonna go against that a little song there and talk about three books quickly today and i say today i'm recording on monday me and brandon will be getting together tonight to record our main even number episode but I wanted to throw this out there. I end up having problems getting the odd number episode on a day that I really want to have it out, but I won't skip a week. I promise that. But the Monday show with me and Brandon, that will always be Monday night. That is set in stone. This one is kind of like a spotlight episode, as that song said. So forgive me. When the thing kind of shuffles around, but I'm going to be talking about three books today. And before we do that, let's tell you where you can find us. You can go to Twitter at WS Marvel Comics, where we end up following you if you follow us. It's a tit for tat, as they say. Also, we have a website, WeirdScienceMarvelComics.com, where we review almost every book each and every week. You can go and check out those reviews, usually dropping on Monday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Some things get to go up early. That depends on what Marvel tells us. Also, you can go over to my video a channel on the youtube it is weird science comics where i have started doing a bunch of uh, video reviews of marvel and dc stuff and i'm planning on doing some indie stuff as well so if that interests you that'd be great if you'd go over and i'd really really appreciate if people go over there and subscribe to the channel that helps me out and ends up making me all inspired to keep doing that stuff we also have a patreon account if you want to support us for all of this stuff the podcasts websites dc marvel all that jazz you can go over to patreon.com slash weird science and get a bunch of shows in return up to about 30 shows a month uh and one of the big shows is the marvel comic spotlight that comes out on wednesday night each and every week with two books picked by the bad butts of the fresh start crew deep dupe and this past week they ended up picking two big ones spider woman number one and outlaw number one so if you want to go and listen to what me and brandon had to say about those go over to patreon.com slash weird science and sign up uh and yeah that is every wednesday that is the first thing that we do for the week of the comic podcast so you can hear that and if you do go over there i think you might be surprised what i liked and what brandon liked from those two books but in the meantime i also have video reviews short little video reviews of both as well on the youtube channel but you can check out all of those links in the description of this podcast down below and all that stuff and we're going to get on to the podcast. So which three books are we going to talk about? Well, you probably know from the title of this episode, but I'm still going to pretend that it is kind of a surprise. Right? We'll just pretend we're going to play a little game here. I'll alert the media. Oh, my. All right. And the first book we're going to talk about is Amazing Mary Jane number six. And this was a book that Ended up coming out, and the first issue was like 120,000 in sales. It was way up there. People were all excited. And you ended up having Marvel get so excited that they extended it from being a a five-issue mini to a full-out maxi-series, it seems. Who knows what will go from there. Uh, And so you end up having that first five issues was about Mary Jane making a movie ending up thinking that she's going to be doing it with this fancy director who ends up being Mysterio in disguise to film a movie down in flames up in smoke. That is the Mysterio movie pretty much. 
And, you know, there was a lot of hijinks and stuff and problems on the set and things. So you ended up having that. Wasn't great. Uh, You ended up, too, with the sales. It went down from 120 to about 18, then back up to 38, then back down to 20. It was a roller coaster ride of financial emotions. This book was, really. And so when you're doing all of that, uh, me and Brandon ended up reviewing a bunch of them. I think that most of them, if not all, were Patreon spotlights. It was one of those things where the bad butts decided that it'd be funny to have me and Brandon always doing The Amazing Mary Jane. Uh, we did not really like it that much. I find it to be a little confusing, uh, lacking a bit of focus. It is kind of an issue or a, a series that has kind of an ADHD, which I am very familiar with. So I can, you know, deal with that. It's very familiar. So with that, though, it, it's it's a weird book. And that's the best way I can describe it. It is a very weird book. You end up with a, things that you think are going to go one way. They go another, not necessarily in a good way sometimes, but it, it's non-offensive. And it's one of those that if you like Mary Jane, you are going to get a book where Mary Jane is the hero of her own book, just in odd, odd ways. And this next part of this, this is going to be Mary Jane going off on a press junket for the movie Down in Flames, Up in Smoke, that ends up being derailed very quickly in this first issue. And I'll tell you right now, if you were intrigued by this book or you ended up not reading, you know, the first bunch of issues, number one, you can wait a little and they're going to be hitting the Marvel Unlimited app if you have that. If not, though, you can kind of just jump into this issue and get caught up just knowing that. Mysterio pretended he was a director. He ended up filming a, a film with Mary Jane. They became friends, and now Mary Jane's worried that Peter isn't going to be down with her being friends with Mysterio. Uh, but yeah, very odd. And we're going to jump into this. It's written by Leah Williams, art by Carlos Gomez, Z. Carlos, and Annapolo Martello, colors by Carlos Lopez, and letters by VG's Joe Caramanga. And The art in this has been pretty good, so you get that. Here is the recap. Mary Jane was cast as a female lead in Down in Flames, Up in Smoke, a film about the life of Quentin Beck, not Cheech and Chong, the supervillain Mysterio. The auteur director Cage McKnight himself made the offer. That is why Mary Jane took the job. Cage McKnight is this fancy kind of flaky director he's a real artiste is what he is but mj soon realized cage was mysterio in disguise the strength of his vision his dedication to the cast and crew and his sense familiar to mary jane that this might be his last chance to follow his dreams convinced her to protect his secret and to help any way she could and really the idea of this if anything of those first bunch of issues if you actually are somebody out there that's like the the mysterio fan who wants Mysterio to be more of a good guy, but still have some of his, you know, the way he acts and things like that. Uh, this, that it's better served as that in my mind. He isn't a bad character in this. Uh, not that he's in this issue uh, or I don't know. I'm hoping that he is coming up. But now Mary Jane's on a press tour to spread the word and hopefully finally tell Peter everything she's been up to. And her and Peter have kept, you know, in touch, FaceTime, stuff like that. Um, But now that she's back uh, from Hollywood, they are supposed to even have a date when this issue goes. Now, I'll tell you one thing. I've read all the issues up to this. I've read all five issues. I ended up feeling a little bit lost at one point though it doesn't seem like you're supposed to be. But the the whole focus of this series, like I said, it's a very weird book. It, it, it always focuses on something a little bit different than you would think. And sometimes that's not in a good way. It ends up getting kind of caught up in one little thing that might not necessarily make a great story, things like that. But it's weird. Uh, and we go into this where you have Mary Jane, going and showing up on the Riley reading show or reading show where she is going to talk about the movie and she gets there. And right away, this weird pacing and weird focus, she gets there. The first 
page there. Hey, you know, let's welcome Mary Jane. Thanks for coming, Mary Jane. Hey, Riley Reading. Thanks for having me. Hey, is that coffee in this cup here on the desk? Uh, No, I wish it was. I could use some coffee. Well, we could get you some coffee or an energy drink or some Krakoan drugs. Oh, that would all be great, but I'd rather have coffee. Okay, get coffee. There you go. That That's pretty much the first page. I'm like, why are we focusing so much on this? I understand that she is, you know, tired. She's come from the West Coast. She has been shooting all of these things. This can be done with the, hey, Mary Jean, what's up? Well, I, I've been pretty busy and I'm kind of tired. All right, there you go. And then just have coffee there and say, well, have some coffee. Oh, thank you. But yeah, it, it just... It kind of goes on and on. And then you end up having Riley say, okay, well, let's take some questions from the audience. I'm sure people are really excited to hear about, uh, you know, down in flames, up in smoke. And you have some things and it's not necessarily pushed fully, but you kind of get a little bit of, uh, you know, a girl power type thing that I would expect in a Mary Jane book like this. Well, you end up having a guy get up yeah uh, what's different from playing the normal female roles or playing a hero and mary jane's like well i think that all females are heroes and that's kind of a distinction i don't make all right and they go hey next question hey how is cage mcknight to work with man he looked like a real jerk and uh, no no he was great he was honest and genuine and really he really cared the most about the crew and cast. And that's why the paparazzi didn't like him because they were hounding us and he ended up stopping them. And then everybody erupts in laughter. (laughs) Is there a laugh track there? Because that is funny. I don't know what you're talking about. But yeah, so you end up having Riley say, all right, well, that's great. Well, it's good that you brought up Cage because here he is, Cage McKnight, and he comes out, and that is a crazy idea because Cage was not really at the set. He was being impersonated by Mysterio. So you get the idea, okay, is this going to be Mysterio that comes out and gives Mary Jane the wink-wink, or is this actually Cage McKnight? It's actually Cage McKnight. And so Mary Jane is freaking out and saying, like, you know, oh, my God, what's going to go on? She gets on her phone to end up trying to text Mysterio, like, you got to get here. You got to do something. What is going on? Because in the meantime, you did have Cage sent by Mysterio to get him out of the way. Mysterio didn't kill him or anything. He sent him to make a documentary on penguins. So he shows up. Mary Jane's freaking out. So how is this going to go? And this is where... I I was saying you end up with some ideas that might be interesting. One of them that I thought right away, and it's not like I'm a rightist or anything, but this is kind of a script doctor deal where I thought Cage McKnight, who's this huge director, comes out and ends up doing, you know, this press interview and then says to Mary Jane in the meantime, listen, I don't know what the heck was going on here, but. I can't, you know, let anybody know that this wasn't my film. So I'm going to end up and even say, like, I haven't even seen it. Let's go watch it. He ends up like hating it or loving it or whatnot. Uh, But then that would end up kind of taking away from Mysterio. And then you end up having something with that. It's not quite where we go here. This this issue really goes an odd direction twice here, because basically Cage says, well, I don't remember filming this. I don't I, I don't think I've ever met this Mary Jane. And like, oh, my God, what does that mean? What are you talking about? And he's like, well, it happens a lot. I, I end up filming things, you know, years of filming. I don't remember it. It's fugue filming, I call it. And pretty much seems like he's a, a looney tune or possibly on drugs. And so he's like, eh, some of my fugue films, they're, they're the best. I mean, people love them. And that seems to be that. That, that you know that may be it that's the tie-in and done with old cage mcknight seems odd so in the meantime you have this talk show that then ends up and it's very ellen-esque if you've seen ellen where now it's okay well i guess what we're gonna do now we're gonna have bowling with ordinary objects well, what what is that it's an odd little segment and it's supposed to be like an icebreaker deal they say it's random object bowling 
So you end up having bowling pins and then you throw like a, a carton of milk at it or you throw a shoe or a tennis racket. You know, that sounds like fun, right? You're doing that. So they're going to have this and it is Cage and Mary Jane versus two guy, a guy and a girl from the audience. The one guy's like, yeah. I'm from Jersey. Woo! My name is Mike. And yeah, Briley, well, you said Jersey first, so I'm going to call you Jersey now because I can't remember things. Hey, whoa. And so you end up having this set up deal. Well, in the meantime, Mary Jane looks aside and uh, off backstage, you see a guy in an Oni mask, this real tall guy in an Oni mask. And she's like, oh, I see that guy. Backstage in an Oni mask That's going to be one of those segments Where they try to jump scare me I'm not going to be scared Oh wait a minute Maybe he isn't involved in this Because the PAs are too busy to notice him What? What is going on? Also you see him surrounded by three guys When he's back there anyway But So you have this tall guy in an Oni mask And if you don't know It's like a demon mask uh, You know And, And Uh, Asian demon mask type deal That people would know what it is Once you see it And so while this is going on She sees this guy Then kind of like Eh, I guess he is involved He isn't I don't know It's just out of nowhere And this is where I thought I might be lost here What's going on? So they end up going For this random object bowling So they're doing this You end up having Cage trying his best You have Mary Jane She's throwing maybe a carton of milk there Or water uh, doesn't do well. Uh, she had to take off her boots at one point. You end up having that be an issue. Uh, and then she looks back and sees this tall guy with the Oni mask that ended up, you know, having one of those wires that you strangle people with. And he, he's killed somebody on the set of this thing. She sees this. She says, oh, my God, that guy got murdered. And then you kind of move on for a little more with this bowling. And uh, yeah, it's very, very odd. Nobody else is reacting on the set. Nobody sees this. They're too busy with the bowling, I guess. You do end up having the aside where Peter is going to go to wait for Mary Jane to have dinner with her. And the joke there is Peter is on time and Mary Jane's late for once. Well, as all this stuff's going on, Mary Jane's freaking out. Goes to check on this murdered guy He's not there though But the guy in the Oni mask is there He confronts Mary Jane She hits an alarm button The guy pulls his finger out of his coat And does the finger bang like it's a gun And then disappears Mary Jane freaks out Gets the heck out of there Forgets her phone Which seems as if the guy in the Oni mask Picks up the phone to see who her friends are Calls Peter Peter ends up answering. It seems like he'll be a target then, which is a bad target, as the guy then gets in a taxi to go see what Peter's up to, uh, while Mary Jane goes to the police department, reports a murder. They kind of end up taking her into one of the detectives' office. They're showing her pictures, and then she says there's an Oni mask, and then they show her an Oni mask, and she's like, yeah, that's it. And then they say, well, this is a guy who has been a mass murderer for years. Uh, That's trouble. The FBI is trying to find him. Uh, So we're going to get a helicopter here right now, pick you up. Don't let you get anything. Don't even change. And now we're going to drop you off in Montana. And that's that. There's the quick. It's crazy. You go from, hey, yeah, hey, Cage McKnight, all right. Oh, we're going to do some random object bowling. All right. Oh, no, I witnessed a murder on the set of this, you know, talk show, but nobody else saw it. This guy in an Oni mask walking around, he ends up being this huge murderer off to Anaconda, Montana, where we, you know, where you're going to get snakes because they even said that in future solicits. Also, the idea that that they just seem to have dropped her off. Oh, it's like she's in a helicopter. Then it seems like they're driving away, but they just drop her off at the city limits. Hey, you know, you'll be safe here. Off we go. Uh, That's not much of a identity, you know, secret deal. You don't even, I, I don't know what's going on. So at the end, you just have, you know, an out of, you know, fish out of water story while you're also getting a odd, guy in an oni mask killer who may be after peter as well now because he was in mary jane's phone and off they go off they go 
Ah, uh, yes, we'll see how it goes. I like the art in this, but boy, it, again, it takes a real twist. And it's not that the idea is bad. It's not anything of that. It's the uh, way that things get crammed together, the way the pacing and the way the progression and the set up. The, the idea that she sees this guy at first, you think that maybe this is somebody she knows. He seems to know her. But again, she's just in a movie. She's on a press junket. So he would. But who knows? Who knows what's going on? Is this her version of the kindred going on in her own book? We'll see. But yeah, uh, all in all, I'm, I'm going to give it a 5.5. Like I said, the art's there. There is some fun to be had, and I do like Mary Jane, but boy, it's just got some weird issues. All right, and the next book is Star Wars, number four, and that is written by Charles Soule, art by Jesus Saez, colors by Arif Priano and Rachel Rosenberg, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. And I've liked all the Star Wars books so far since they have come back, uh, all taking place between The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. That's my jam right there. And I'll give you the crawl that they use as the recap, and then we'll talk a little about what led up to this and all that. Jazz, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, and Lando Calrissian have returned to Cloud City. While Leia investigated the carbon freezing facility that imprisoned Han Solo, Lando found his old friend Lobot and began to pollute Cloud City's Tybana gas with his help, attracting the attention of Imperial forces. While Luke searches through Cloud City's waste for his lost lightsaber, Lando and Lobot are hunted by stormtroopers and Leia has been captured by the Empire and frozen in carbonite, which they're going to end up shipping her away to a a detention type center, an Imperial center where they can end up unfreezing her and pretty much finding out what the heck she was doing. Uh, In the meantime, Luke is looking for his lightsaber that he lost at the end of Empire Strikes Back along with his hand. And uh, Lando made it seem like it was going to be a lot easier uh, finding that in the pretty much trash dump of Cloud City. Uh, And the big thing, like they said, is that Lando and Lobot are working together to let this Tybana gas out that will end up polluting Cloud City so that the Empire says, I've had enough of this nonsense. This isn't worth it. And leaving so that Lando can then go back and reclaim his Cloud City. And that part of it, it seems like, you know, a clever little deal. I don't know. It doesn't play out as well. The actual concept of that, I don't really care. And that's where you have a problem with it is because we we know what goes on then after this. We, we're aware of what happens in Return of the Jedi. So at this moment, and it's going to be something that is in the back of my mind throughout this whole series, is the connections that you're waiting to see with return of the jedi and so the connections though with this is going to be the idea in my mind of a lando you see him he's not worried about the rebellion i think that that's all this is for he he doesn't care about the rebellion all he wants is cloud city back he'll do whatever it takes to do that including even getting luke to go with him to cloud city and then you ended up having leia tag along as well but the idea that he kind of, you know, made it seem to Luke that it was going to be easy to find his lightsaber as the end to make him go. And that was not the case. He He's still a scoundrel here. Now, in this issue, one of the big things is you get the idea of him realizing it's not so bad to be a hero as well by the end. But again, the whole thing with, hey, I want to get the Cloud City back and all that. I'm like, yeah, really? I, I just want to see, you know, what's going on and, and get involved with the three leia luke and lando and see how it leads into the return of the jedi though it may be why this could be a thousand issue run and we'll have to kind of go in increments towards that but it is cool to be back at the cloud city uh and i love lobot he's hardwired into cloud city's computer system and because of that they were able to release that gas but that ended up making it so that the imperials on cloud city they are aware and know what's going on and are trying to break in they're trying to blast the doors open to get to both lando and lobot and lobot shows he's pretty kick butt here where he ends up using his being hardwired in to get all the mouse droids that are around Cloud City. And really the most famous mouse droid was the one that ended up kind of going up to Chewbacca, who was 
you know, handcuffed at the point on in the New Hope, and then Chewbacca growled and it ran away screaming. So you're not thinking of these mouse droids as being the most, uh, you know, brave things if if you're going to say that about these. Uh, but the thing is, it's very much like Bugs Life if you've seen the Pixar movie because you know one mouse droid. That's not that much, but two, three, four, five, six, you, you get a bunch together, they can end up doing something, and they do end up attacking these stormtroopers that are trying to get at Lando and Lobot and actually buy them some time. So it's pretty funny. It's a pretty cool moment, and Lando is very, very impressed uh, with Lobot. Now, I, I don't know what happens when you get hardwired into a system like this with Lobot, but you end up having Lando just cutting them out. And it seemed like that would be something that might blow his mind, but, you know, and not in a good way. Uh, but it happens. But you have Lobot there. He's got his headphones on, probably listening to, yeah, I don't know, Poison or Cinderella, right? Is that what he did? And Lando's going to hook him up with something a little more current, I hope. But you then go off to Princess Leia, who is in Carbonite. You get a little bit of the workaday stormtroopers, the working hard or hardly working stormtroopers, like, hey, what do you think? This lady who got frozen in carbonite did. Who cares? Not my pay grade. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my. You know, hey, what's going on? And so they're taking them. But it is recap to tell you that she is going to be shipped off to the Imperial Security Bureau outpost where she will end up being tortured and they'll end up finding out info from her. I think that that's jumping to a lot of conclusions where you just had Leia trying to figure out how to work the carbonite freezing well i'm gonna just that was somebody from cloud city who just decided they you know they were a little curious or something they end up unfreezing or like what were you doing well i ended up taking a wrong turn i was looking for the vending machines because i wanted a zag nut bar uh all right well we got everything we need from her take her away but yeah they're sending her off off to this imperial center uh it, it, what it basically does is allows uh some time for both Lando and Luke to kind of gather up and go save her because Luke is off in the trash part of the Cloud City. And if you know Cloud City and you know trash, you also know that the Ugnots are soon to follow. Those dirty, dirty Ugnots. They're there. And and Luke is just going through the trash. Don't know what these Ugnots are really doing. They're just down there going through things themselves with some smocks on. Luke is trying to explain to them, hey, I'm looking for this thing. It's a cylinder. It's about yay long black grips, few switches. It's kind of important. You know, I, you know where it might be? And they're like, huh? And he's like, yeah, this stinks. There's way too much going on here. Now, he, he starts to do something that I love, and I actually thought he might do, um, but it kind of twists into something else where he actually is just going to try to use the force and try to make it come to him. He hasn't been using the force. He's actually been mopey about the force. He's been upset because he blamed the force pretty much for ditching him and Yoda and Obi-Wan in particular when he ended up fighting Darth Vader. Uh, Darth Vader kind of overwhelmed him and you didn't get any sort of help from anybody, including the force when he got his hand cut off. So he ends up at this point up until here. He hasn't really used the force. In, in fact, when he meets up with Lando in a little bit, Lando's surprised that he's using the force again. But I'm glad he is. He doesn't get the the lightsaber to come to him. What he does do, though, is open up his mind to the force, which then floods in with past memories. Uh, also, that lady that he ended up seeing before that ended up holding a lightsaber and saying, your destiny, that continues. But with this, it opens up a little so that he actually gets an idea that she's on a tri-sun planet that has a lot of water. And if you know, you know, pretty much a George Lucas deal, which this takes place obviously between two George Lucas movies, planets are only, you know, specified by their one geographic thing. And that would be water here, though also the tri-sun. But he gets that. That'll come into play at the end. But he also sees that Leia is in trouble in one of the most horrific looking things where she is still frozen in kryptonite but is moving and reaching out to him. Scared the crap out of me. I'm telling you, it did. Uh, And now he realizes Leia's in trouble. He's got to go off. Uh, He does go off. And you end up having Lando and Lobot trying to get 
the heck out of there. They want to get to safety from where they were after being cut out. Uh, and they get, you know, run into some stormtroopers, three stormtroopers. And it's funny because they end up then getting pushed out of one of those classic Star Wars windows. And Lando thinks it's Lobot again and turns and says, you do that? And I love the look of Lobot, like, mm, not me. It's Luke. He says, no, no, it was me. And that was a force push. I'm back. And, oh, man, you're back with the force. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm down with it. But Leia's in trouble. I got a vision. She was in this big hangar. Do you know where that is? He's like, yeah. I mean, that's probably big hangar A. Let's go. And they do go off then to find and rescue Leia. In the meantime, one of them dirty Ugnots in the trash heap finds the lightsaber and looks at it. So we'll have to see what that means, how that goes. Um, But, yeah, you have Lando and Luke go. They see Tons of people being loaded up in carbonite. And I will tell you that the Imperials, they really went with this carbonite freezing. It seems like a couple weeks ago, this was not a thing. It's now become the hit of the universe, at least, you know, Cloud City, because now everybody's getting frozen. Everybody wants to be frozen in carbonite now. So they end up all these people being loaded up and you have Luke like, well, what's involved? What, what is this process? of unfreezing them and Lando's like it's real easy you just kind of turn that knob and I just thought to myself why Leia why didn't you just ask Lando why did you have to come along because basically what she is doing here is trying to figure out how to work the thing so that when she does go to free Han and Jabba's palace she knows how to work the gizmos well it seems like you just have to turn a dial she should have asked Lando who probably would know since it's kind of his process that he does. So you have that, but you end up having Luke do it by the force. So he ends up using the force, twist the dial. Everybody there ends up unfreezing. So you have a bunch of stormtroopers going against them with their guns. And then Luke uses the force to let the guns all go. And actually in my mind too, at one point, I thought maybe Leia was using a little craziness, but it seems like Luke is using the force. He takes the guns out of all the stormtroopers' hands. They fall. Leia picks them up and says, what were you saying? And then they just start blasting the poor stormtroopers who are just doing their job. But she ends up having a lot of these people. And the good thing about it, and I, I make fun of all these people going off that were frozen in carbonite, what it does is set up kind of instant rebellion instant rebels and the rebels need some numbers at this point but it's not just the idea of oh they're going to grab a bunch of people from clouds now these actually must be some dissenters they must be some people who were against the empire they wouldn't have been frozen in the carbonite so it does add that thing there that once they're unfrozen they're pissed they already had issues probably issues that the imperials had taken over their home and now they are going to go and attack. In the meantime, again, the setup by Charles Soule. And Charles Soule is a smart guy. He's a lawyer. He's a smart guy. The also other idea is that they've polluted Cloud City. So Cloud City is not a place that anybody's going to want to be anyway. So you end up having a very well set up reason why these Bespin Cloud Cityites would end up going with them they end up fighting and and at one point luke ends up saying i'm gonna find my x-wing because i know there's gonna be tie fighters and we're gonna have a big battle when we go to escape not really a big battle they go off and there's two tie fighters there's not a lot left and they end up you know kind of blowing those up luke ends up you know killing them and then they're gonna go off and now this whole deal with this is you have now Lando with Leia. Leia has now been unfrozen from carbonite. I think another setup of this is the idea that they even spell out earlier that she's only been frozen a little bit, so she's not going to be that affected. You're not going to have the blindness that you had Han have in Return of the Jedi. But what you are going to have is Leia now understands the hell that Han's going through right now. She has been frozen, though only a little bit, but still that makes it worse because you're like, I only had that for a little bit and it was hell. Uh, Han, I got to get him. And I think that that actually ups the urgency of going to get Han. 
and unfreeze them, though I don't think that there needed to be that much extra urgency anyway, because pretty much Leia, she wants to slap Han in the face for saying, I know, when she said, I love you, though she actually just says, someone who loves you when she ends up asking who it is. Uh, So you end up with a pretty cool setup there. Now, this is where you're going to get the Lando character progression, which I do like, is that Lando goes in and there's all these Cloud City people. They know Lando. He was the, the person who was in charge of them before and all that. So they go up to him like, thank you. Thank you for coming back and saving us. He wasn't doing that. It was all just personal for him. He he is a selfish jerk. Uh, but they don't know that. And he's kind of taken aback by it. And this lady comes over. Thank you, Baron Administer. Thank you. You are a hero. And you end up seeing Lando like, huh? Like, what's going on? And then ends up looking. Lobot knows Lando. Lobot knows what Lando is up to and what he isn't up to. And he looks at Lobot like, what? Because he's looking at, and it, it is a good deal where you even see Lando have a smile on his face like, I can get used to this hero business, though, again, what does it pay is probably what he's thinking right away. But it's it's a nice moment. Now you're going to get a moment that is familiar to Luke, Leia, and anybody who is a Star Wars fan and ended up at least watching Empire Strikes Back, which I hope you'd watch them all. But you end up where... Because of that vision that Luke had in that dream sequence in the Force deal where he saw this woman and kind of did get an idea of the lay of the land where he can say to R2, okay, R2, run this through your system. I need a a tri-solar system that also has a planet that's full of water. Now, in my mind, there's probably, you know, you can narrow that down to probably 3 billion planets, but they they have the deal, and it's Star Wars. So he's like, okay, we got the coordinates, let's go. And says to Leia, I'm not going to go with you right now to the Rebellion deal. I'm going to cut out a second. I got to figure out something. It's my destiny. I don't know if you realize this. And she's like, well, you earned some time off. Have some fun. May the force be with you. We'll see you when you're done. He's like, yeah, I'll be back when we're done and all that. But destiny's calling because he ends up getting that with R2. And they go off very much like a Dagobah deal. Uh, So this is exciting. And this is where these books are kind of giving you a new expanded universe, giving you something between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. And the idea of leaving Luke there, you know, with his hand getting his hand deal and watching the Millennium Falcon go off at the end of Empire Strikes Back to when he shows up in Return of the Jedi at Jabba's Palace and all that, you know, it is cool to see how they're going to go with what happened there in this new expanded universe here. And I'm enjoying it so far. Like I said, some of the things in this issue just felt a little bit too convenient, a little bit too glossed over to get to the big moments that ended up being good, but just how you got there, odd. But I did like it. I like the whole idea of Luke back with the Force. I like Leia trying to figure out the Carbonite, even though that really seemed very forced. But Lando learning the idea of what it is to be a hero and how much it feels good and maybe I can get Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Also, you get Leia who hasn't trusted. And nobody's really trusting Lando As he keeps doing these things going on, it's good that you're going to see how they came to that trust. So there's a lot of stuff that Charles Soule can play with. Also, just the idea that he went back to get Lobot, and it almost seems like he has a life debt, almost like Chewbacca has to hunt with that, uh, is a cool thing to actually show Leia specifically is the one who has the most problem with Lando, and maybe Chewbacca when we get back. But the idea that he's not as bad a guy as we thought even though I still think they should have killed him immediately after Han got taken away. But that's just me. But yeah, you have all this going on. But with that, I'm going to give it a 7.5. I like the art a lot. It's just there's, you know, some setup, some forced things. But at the end, where you're going off, I'm very much more interested in seeing Luke. Luke's my guy. He's my favorite guy in the Star Wars universe. So I'm excited to see all this sort of destiny thing with him. I don't know how or what, you know, Charles Soule is going to play with with the Leia Lando stuff with the Rebellion. That actually isn't my favorite part of this. But yeah, 7-5, it is my least favorite of the series so far, but I still like it. I still like it. I'm still excited for all of the Star Wars books, including they're going to have the Dr. Aphra book come out. I've never read any Dr. Aphra, 
I only know her from the Bounty Hunters book that just came out recently. He had a little cameo in that. And so I'm looking forward to even that. I'm going to read them all. So I'm going to move on to the next book. All right. And the last book is Captain Marvel number 16. It is the last Avenger finale written by Kelly Thompson, art by Lee Garbert. The colors by Tamra Baumvillon, who has me blocked on Twitter. Thank you. And letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. I'll also tell you that one of the things is we have the the policy you follow us, we follow you back. You block us, we block you back. There you go. There you go, Tamra. Uh, and this is Born to Cree Mother and Human Father. Former U.S. Air Force pilot Carol Danvers became a superhero when a Cree device activated her latent powers. Since then, she's become an Avenger and Earth's mightiest hero. But that was before she murdered Thor and presented his head to Vox Supreme. A mutated Cree who recently wiped out almost the entire inhuman race. Inhuman? Vox has given Carol 24 hours to kill the core Avengers. And if she refuses, he'll set off the bombs he's planted in inside innocent Cree children living in Earth's alien refugee camps. That's kind of a spoiler to what we find out, but to ensure Carol's compliance, Vox has fitted her with a suit that monitors her location and audio. Luckily, there's one place he can't monitor her, inside the sentient pocket dimension named Singularity, where Carol has been hiding the real Avengers while presenting Vox with clones. But they all knew that ruse wouldn't last, and once she brought him the bodies of She-Hulk, Captain America, and Hawkeye, Vox sprang his trap. Now Carol is restrained and hooked up to the machine that will supposedly harness the powers of all the Avengers and with them build Vox Supreme's new master race. And that's basically what this has going on and so she is connected with the rest of the cloned avengers bodies and like they said vox supreme is vox it's the intelligence supreme all this going on though doesn't act very smart because i still it just bothers me throughout this whole deal where when she ends up grabbing an avenger and going off and then going into the singularity she ends up hanging out a while And she does disappear. She goes off the grid. And at this many times, I think Vox Supreme would be like, no, 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 you're up to no good. I understand. But he seems to not really care and really is the idea that he's going to use her to, you know, kind of make this new deal. And with everything going on. You end up having Carol last issue even say and talk trash like, yeah, you're going to get the DNA from all of them. And and you never really get the true, true idea of the big plan. Kind of. It's just very surface level of what Vox Supreme is up to. And in this, she ends up uh, you had her get a device and things from. Uh, Tony Stark in the singularity was working on things because she just happened to conveniently come across some of his, uh, you know, Iron Man suit blasted in space. She ends up getting that and taking it in. He ends up coming up with a plan and pretty much it's distraction is the plan. What they are going to do is you need to have something to break Carol out of this machine. In the meantime, she's then going to fight Vox Supreme while most of the Avengers then go to get these children who have bombs inside of them, which then will be taken into the singularity so that the bombs can be diffused or taken out of them by Tony. And it is kind of very forced deal. It's okay. Uh, the thing that I have a problem with this issue is just that you end up having a lot of setup, and there was a cool idea here where you did have Carol in this new suit looking like she had gone bad, bad, but going to get the Avengers. And I don't think that Kelly Thompson let that mystery play out long enough. And so when you did end up going and finding out that she's taking them in the singularity, and then going and getting a clone body that you end up taking back that Hydra made, taking it back to Vox Supreme. You end up with a lot of just rinse and repeat throughout this whole deal because you know what's going on. Okay, she's now going to get, you know, Jen and uh, Black Panther. She's going to take him in the singularity. Go get a clone. So you end up with all that. And I wish that it would have played out that she, oh my, what is she doing? She is bad. And look, there's, you know, there's Thor and there's Tony Stark. And he ended up too quick on the gun with that. This was a dupe. 
Um, and then in the meantime, not really giving a lot of Vox Supreme and all of that. So it just ends up to me feeling very, very quick and very much like, okay, take body, get clone. Then go and let yourself be captured, get in the machine, blow it up, and then fight Vox. It's just very simple by the end and something that could have really been a cool setup. You do have some things here where you do have Carol having the Captain America shield that seems like she brought and hid on the side. Uh, You know, things like (laughs) very odd. Uh, But as this is going on, when she ends up fighting Vox, she ends up blowing out of the machine. You end up having things going on and Vox Supreme actually grabbing part of the machine and throwing it at Carol, which ends up exploding and getting this green goo that we kind of saw before. Well, with that is basically the essence of all the cloned Avengers. So she ends up there being a just monstrosity. She is just like just a combination of all the Avengers into one, including, you know, a Tony Stark as a shoulder pad, uh, you know, his head. And she's kind of hulked out and she's there. So what that does is lead to kind of a cool fight, you know, and does help what Vox Supreme has done here has really hurt himself in the short run. He thinks it's a long, you know, deal plan, but it ends up just being something cool going on as word gets out for a bunch of different characters to go and save some kids around the world from the Creed deal. So they end up going to these Creed camps, grabbing these kids while you have Carol fighting while she's running distraction. But again, she is kind of this amalgam monstrosity, which is kind of cool at the one point because she is fighting Vox and then kind of getting, you know, the, her butt kicked at a point. She ends up vomiting up some of this goo, some of this DNA awfulness uh, ends up making her be able to think a little better. And what it does lead, though, is to her being able to summon Molnir. And it's because she has pretty much, you know, Thor inside her, Thor's arm, whatever, the whole deal with that. But she is able to summon that Molnir, which is a cool deal, which she just bashes, you know, Vox Supreme over the head with it. Uh, it's an extended deal. I mean, it really takes a while for this to happen. Thor ends up letting it go and like, huh, that's odd. Uh, but yeah, you end up where you end up bashing Vox Supreme into one of these containment units that they had as Tony is now taking these bombs out of people, things uh, out of these kids. And so you end up containing the deal. And then pretty much at the end, you got to reset stuff. So Carol ends up going, you know, Nuclear ends up burning all of that stuff and that DNA out of her, which then makes her have to drop Molnir, which then makes her kind of, you know, a little tired. So she's got to rest. It really isn't a lot to this issue. Uh, And she's worried that the Avengers are going to be mad at her of all the things she did. And one of the big things of it that I like was she did end up, you know, going and getting Tony. She ended up, you know, going to Tony and getting him in his bathrobe and using their friendship as a way to grab it. You end up where she then gets Thor. She ends up fighting and knocking out Black Panther and then really has to go full out and fry She-Hulk's brain. You know, you had all that. Well, the last issue when she went to go get Cap, which she said, I saved him for last because I really don't want to do this. When she went, Cap realizes what's going on and realizes Okay, you know, Carol, I don't care what everybody thinks. I don't care. She has this, you know, suit on, whatever. I uh, I trust Carol, and I trust you to be doing the right thing. I yield. Uh, I, you know, there you go. And then Carol's like, well, I'm going to have to kind of punch you anyway. And a little bit too much talky, talky at that point, I thought, with the suit. But she ends up punching him. And that was a good moment to show you, you know, how great Cap is, but also how much the Avengers trust Carol. And so at the end, when she's like, I'm not I'm never going to get past this, they're going to be mad at me forever. You know, that's not the case. And it's just another thing that's just like, yeah, okay. And that that's the problem with all of this. At the beginning of this whole deal, I ended up reading this and getting excited. I ended up like, oh man, this is pretty cool. This is a cool thing for Carol to go through and what's going on. And by the end here, and the last couple of them, ah, okay. You know, it's just kind of that, okay? Uh, Yeah, so the Avengers, you know, they will 
forgive her. I'm sure at some point you'll end up having them mention it or something as some shade throwing. Um, but yeah, you end up then with Carol to end this goes to the moon base of Vox Supreme, blows it up, and then ends up sending uh, you know, Vox Supreme in this containment unit to the raft, a super max prison facility. You know, the one that Star just escaped from and they mention. So you end up where, yeah, if you want Vox Supreme and you're a writer, you just break out. Uh, and so even that was kind of a cool concept of what he is and learning more about him. You don't get much. And now he's in the raft. Uh, but, yeah, there's there is a mention of Star and like, yeah, I'm going to check into that. And then you end up having her say goodbye to Singularity for a moment. Hey, thanks a lot, Singularity. Thanks for helping. No, yeah, no problem. Goes off. Okay. And they go off. She hugs Singularity. It's it's nice enough. But yeah, she starts talking about, you know, the strange life that she leads and all the deal. And then you just end up with what is her and her cat and kind of a nice little moment while she's trying to rest and get better. And yeah, and that's that. And then it ends with the next issue showing that she's going to be doing something with Wolverine. So that's cool. But yeah, overall, this was, you know, uh, slightly disappointing how it ended so easily and quickly. It seemed like more of the, you know, the effort was in the setup. But like I said, you ended up revealing the mystery too quick. So you couldn't even play along with that. And then it ended up to me. Kind of being the same thing where you'd go and get an issue and go, okay, which Avengers she going to get now? All right. So it's that one. All right. Let's move on. And then you go to the end there and you also get rid of the clones. So at least you get rid of that. But it's kind of just like a, a hard reset of the deal. And let's move on to the next story. And I wish it was something bigger because I thought it was going to be. But because of that, I'm still going to give it a seven out of ten because I like Carol. I like the art in this. There's some action. You get some fun. It's just I wanted it to be more. And at one point, I believe earlier I gave one of the issues, if not the first or second one of this arc, a nine out of ten. I was really into it. So it is a shame that it ended more with a whimper, but it's ending and we'll go off with Wolverine and stuff. So there you go. But thanks a lot. That is the end of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed these three books and me talking about them. And yeah, check them out. If you think that you ended up, say, reading Amazing Mary Jane, you think it's better than a 5.5, you can yell at me, send me an email, look for me on Twitter, all that stuff. I'll discuss it with you and possibly argue in a fun way. That's how we do things. But yeah, just as a reminder, that Twitter is WS Marvel Comics. We also have the website, WeirdScienceMarvelComics.com. We end up having the YouTube channel, Weird Science Comics, and our Patreon, Patreon.com slash Weird Science. So I hope you enjoyed that. I'm going to go off. Me and Brandon will have the other episode up tonight as I record this Monday night. If you're listening to it some other time, that will sound weird. But that's that. And I'll talk to you later.